I don't want to talk about that. I'm more more issues to be talking about than that. The time right. was still, still dark at the start, but it got brighter and brighter nearly every oh, day. Yeah, mine over six months because this is our season. I think that's a rough. Come up to the gutter to get where I am. I'm delighted to be here, but it's been earned. It's, that's a, for it's sure. a great honour. It's kind of surreal, really. The whole thing has okay, been. Okay, you've won them all, and that's pretty mental. What people in social media have done is disgusting. This is Sportsbeat Extra. On today's show, I'm speaking about Kilkenny, the All-Ireland Championship and the beautiful game of Camogie. But first, I'm chatting to the leading female motorsport driver in this country. I'm Sean Connolly and you are very welcome to Sportsbeat Extra. Sportsbeat with John Kennedy Motors, Cashel Road, Clonmel. You'll never take a wrong turn with Toyota. View our full range of cars at johnkennedymotors.ie. I'm joined by a Tipperary woman who is trailblazing her way in the motorsport world, holding the distinction of being recognised as Ireland's top female racing driver. I am extremely pleased to welcome Nicole Drought. Nicole, it's fantastic to speak with you. How are you today? I'm great. Thanks very much. And and life to be on the show. So thanks for having me. Absolute pleasure. What lit the flame that led you into the motorsport world? Yeah, so I, I grew up around cars. My dad has a car business in Rathgray. So um, all my life I've been around cars. And um, he also competed when I was growing up. So I was following him around the country and uh, supporting him. And just, you know, while I was following him, that was that's what kind of led me to, to want this dream of being a, a racing driver. Um, you know, and at the time, I was probably only about 10 or 11, but I used to think that I was the, the chief uh, person on the team checking out the car and making sure there was no damage and, and asking all the questions. So, um, yeah, I've been heavily involved in, in cars and, and more racing from a very young age. Uh, how brilliant is that? What point did you realise that it was more than a phase? I suppose instead something that you wanted to pursue and really push the boundaries to see what you were capable of. Um, I think it was always in the back of my mind, you know, I always um, I always wanted to be a, a racing driver um, and that, that kind of was just even from watching my dad, you know, it was something that I really wanted to do and uh, coming through school and, and college, I had multiple uh, part-time jobs and stuff trying to save to, to buy my own racing car. Um, so it took a long time, uh, but uh, I was finally, about in 2015, I bought my first racing car and I think... No, I always took it very seriously, but um, I didn't think it was going to take off as much as it did. I mean, I've got to do so much, so much cool things in uh, a short space of time. It's just it's unbelievable, really. Definitely. And I suppose after buying the car in 2015, I mean, 2015 and 16 were huge years in your career, competing in the Irish Touring Car Championship and also becoming the first woman to win in the series. Talk me through the emotions at that particular time. Yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy thinking back now because, um, you know, I, I think when you buy when you buy your first car or when you're, um, you know, it's a special time buying a, a road car, never mind buying a racing car. So, you know, that was probably the most exciting day ever <laughs> going down to the bank and right uh, buying my first racing car. Um, but yeah, I mean, when I started out then, I just thought it was a case of jumping in and and, and racing, but there's so, there so much more to um, car racing and I had a lot to learn and I kind of threw myself into the deep end um, you know, and it was, it was really, really tough, but you know, I put a lot of work into it and uh, yeah, to get my first win then eventually, I think it was 20, 2015 or 2016, um, to get my first win was just absolutely incredible and it was exactly um, what I got into sport for and you know, the feeling of, of winning is just unbelievable. Yeah, I suppose once you get a taste of winning, it's very hard to stop. You went then, you moved, you made a make to sports car debut, racing a global GT Lite at Anglesey. How did you initially take to the change with that? Yeah, so that, I mean, I had a, a big change there with the car and also uh, racing in, 
in Wales, so a, a new track to take on board as well, which was you know another factor uh, to to make life a little bit harder. But you know, I, I like throwing myself into the deep end as, as hard as as it is at the time. You wonder why am I doing this? But you know, when it all comes together, it's incredible. I think I qualified in the, the front row of the grid that weekend as well. So. You know, it was a it was a pretty successful weekend. Even though I had no experience, much hadn't much experience in the car, and I hadn't had no experience of track. Um, so that was that was pretty special. But it was, and we can't finish 2016 without mentioning the fact that you won the Irish Sportswoman of the Year. What an achievement! I mean, something you must relive over and over again. Yeah, I mean, I, I, at the time, motorsport is kind of a minority sport, and you know, when I seen all the other ladies that were lined up to to win this as well, um, I just thought I didn't really have a chance. But um, you know, the people that put, it was put into a public vote, and it was just amazing because I think oftentimes when you're uh, going racing or when you're competing, when you're when you're in the car, when you're strapped up and when you're competing, you, you probably don't see all that support. So um, when, when it came through that I had won, you know, it was, it was a really nice feeling that you know, people believed in you and people supported you, especially my, my local town of Ross Gray. The support there is just unbelievable. And, you know, when you have a bad day, you just, you just get reminded of those things. And it's just it's really, really nice to have that support and, and people backing you. Of course it is, and it's testament to the hard work that you put in since day one. I mean, as years progressed, you raced in the Striker Championship, won the endurance trials in the A1 Championship in 2019, moved up to the main class, picking up a class win there too. As a former All-Ireland winning camogie captain, I mean, it appears winning is literally just in your blood. Well, where does the motivation come from? I have to know. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I always had a, a drive in when when I was competing and even in, when all my cousins used to come over to my house and we were playing uh, football in the backyard, you know, any time that there was a sniff of competition, um, you know, I was always very, very competitive and, and wanting to win. And I think that kind of stuck with me um, over the years and especially in, in motor racing because I had that want to be successful in the sport, having watched my dad being so su- successful in his career. Um, you know, that, that stayed with me and... You know, I'm hungrier than ever to, to, to fight for podiums and to fight for wins. It's, it's amazing. I mean, to say it, to be a spectator, to read what you've accomplished, is, it's phenomenal. It's, it's, it's awe-inspiring, to be honest with you. What was it like to drive two Formula One cars? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was, that was pretty special. Um, you know, people often ask me, was it your dream to, to drive a Formula One car? But to be honest, you know, I thought it was so out of reach. And drive Formula One card. I didn't think it was it was possible. Um, so I think it was about a week before I got the call to say that I was going to be driving the Guinness March Formula One car at Modelo Park at the Historic Festival, and that was just you know unbelievable for me. I couldn't couldn't get my head around it, and to to do those laps around Modelo and have those people cheering on the pit wall when I came in and the car shut shut off, and it was just this you know the the crowd roaring. I mean. It's just, it doesn't get any more special than that. And to say we've driven two Formula One cars in one in Florida, um, it's just, it's even kind of surreal saying it now, to be honest. Um, you know, because only 20 people get to drive Formula, or get to race in Formula One every year. Um, you know, and it's, a, it's a very small chance. So I feel very, very lucky. And I mean, I'm still, I, I can feel the, the excitement from thinking, even thinking back of driving those cars, because it's just unbelievable. And is it okay that I pretend that I'm not jealous? Is that all right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think if, if I heard someone else saying it, I, I would be the same. So. <laughs>
No worries. So now signed with UK-based BSCS team for 2022. Are you happy with the Lotus? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, we went really, really well in pre-season testing and been really happy with the car and the pace. So, uh, yeah, I'm just looking forward to the... I'm actually racing this weekend um, in Cross in, in North England. So, yeah, I just can't wait to get back out in the car. We're practicing on Friday, racing on Sunday. So, um yeah, really just looking forward to getting back in the car and hopefully we, we have the pace to fight at the front. Fingers crossed. We've discussed an awful lot and I'm sure that there's a lot of people listening and wondering about how much it would cost to get started in this particular field. It's well known that it's an expensive sport to get involved in. Can can you supply any information about that? Yeah, I mean, motor racing is, is heavily uh, finance-based and it's it's very very expensive to to compete and um, you know uh, for the first couple of years I kind of was trying to fund it myself and you know that got quite difficult but I've had some very um, loyal sponsors that have kind of got behind me and, and stuck with me um, you know which I'm very grateful for because they've helped me on this um, incredible path of, of motor racing of Gem Oils, ITM Digital, Siltex Safety, Joe Manor Motors. And, and many more, but you know, there's a, a couple that have uh, got me to where I am now. And I mean, I, I wouldn't have I've got to drive two Formula One cars if it wasn't for for the sports sponsors. It's um, it's absolutely crucial in in motor racing. I know that you're also uh, obviously a very proud twenty by twenty athlete. The campaign obviously trying to increase visibility of women's sport across the country. Now, as a father of two very small girls, Paige and Olivia they idolise champion women like yourself. What does it mean for you to be one of those athletes? Um, I mean, I, I probably wouldn't have seen myself as <laughs> something that special, but uh, thank you very much. Um, but, yeah, I mean, look, it's it's something that's really popular at the moment with women in sports and to try to get more girls, especially involved in motor racing, because I think it's kind of seen as a, a male um, dominated sport. Um, so definitely, yeah, to be to be kind of involved with that campaign and to be able to show women that you know, this is a sport that you can a sport that you can uh, compete in um, that's pretty special and any time that I can I can introduce the girls to, to motor racing or to, to continue in sport in general um, you know it's, it's incredibly important, important to, to get involved and uh, to compete and what advice would you give to, to any young girl or boy that's inspired by your career path and I suppose just wants to move along and follow in your footsteps in any way they can yeah, so I think uh, I've definitely learned from, from when I started in in, uh, in motor racing. And I think the first thing I would say is to definitely get in contact with someone who's uh, who's competed in, in where you want to compete. Um, you know, if I, if I think back now, if I had kind of someone else to, to ask questions about different championships and stuff like that, you know, that would have been a huge help for me. So if there is anyone listening, you know, please don't be afraid to, to get in contact with all forms of, of social media. Um, but to, in in to actually get involved in motor racing if you're under 14 I would say karting is probably the best route um, as that's kind of the, the starting point in motor racing but from 14 to 17 there's a new championship um, actually being set up in Mandela Park uh, for 14 to 17 year olds and it's called the Junior Mini, mini Challenge uh, so they're all Mini Coopers um, it's a one mate class of Mini Coopers so you know that would be the absolute ideal championship to, to dip your feet into and to compete in cars. 
Brilliant, brilliant. I'd imagine that would be quite entertaining as well for anybody at that age. So it's uh, it's excellent advice. And the fact that you're offering your support, even at this particular stage, just really speaks leaps and bounds about your character. What has the rest of 2022 got in store for you? Obviously, we know what's happening this weekend. What what have we got thereafter? Uh, yeah, so I have the, the rest of the Club Enduro Championship um, this year. And as usual, I kind of... Uh, I, I kind of take up on last minute deals and last weekend I was competing in, in Silverstone at the 24-hour Citroen C1 24-hour uh, at Silverstone Grand Prix track so that was that was pretty cool so I'm hoping some things like that will, will come up I mean last year I got to compete in the Killarney Historics in a, in a Mini Cooper as well so I think we'll have a couple of things in the pipeline but for the minute the, the main focus is the Club Enduro Championship Excellent well look I know you're extremely busy not going to take any more of your time it's been fantastic speaking with you I wish you the best over the coming months and we'll touch base again shortly and my daughters are going to be absolutely delighted to hear this Brilliant thank you so much for having me Sports Beat with John Kennedy Motors Cashel Road Clonmel You'll never take a wrong turn with Toyota View our full range of cars at johnkennedymotors.ie I'm very pleased to be joined by the chairman of Sleeveru GAA and Camogie Club Mr Martin Quilty Martin you're very welcome to the show How are you today? All good now Sean Yourself? I'm doing very well Thanks for asking Kilkenny Camogie made a 28 against Limerick 121 to 6 points What do you think of the game? very good game overall in fairness to Limerick they're probably in a spell of transition at the minute uh, speaking with John uh, the manager of Limerick after us and his surname eludes me at the minute um, but he was very pleased overall with the performance they had a lot of girls missing on the day a lot of girls doing their leaving cert as well but from a kick any point of view I suppose it was the perfect start for the girls two victories from two beaten down the first day out so if you're Brian Dowling you're a happy manager going into uh, what won't be an easy game against Antrim in a fortnight's time. That's it, that's it. It's John Lillis. John Lillis is the manager of the Limerick that's the team. That's surname, yes. Couldn't think of the surname. Do you know what I found very impressive with Kilkenny against Limerick is that Kilkenny actually held Limerick to a solitary point until the ninth minute of the second half. Now, I know they're going through transition, but that's still an incredibly impressive uh, performance from Kilkenny to be able to do that. Yeah, it is. I suppose they've starting to be, become a small bit more ruthless than they have been. Um, we played Limerick a couple of times, including in the league quarterfinal last year. And Limerick really put it up to us. And but be fair, they should have probably bet us last year um, in the game. Uh, it was above and bore, and they had plenty of chances to get through the game. But look, you have to take them. You know, they need to start putting teams away. It's a tough group, especially with away trips now, as I said, to Antrim. And then the big one on Galway on the 2nd of July. So Ryan will be looking to do everything in his power to get uh, as many wins on the board as possible. The Intermediates had a good game against Kildare as well, 122 to 11 points. Good performance in that in the same day as well. Yeah, it is, considering that they probably lost out a big time to Leash in the Leinster Championship a couple of weeks before us. And I suppose we were overcritical as well of them. Uh, the team, the management, the performance, especially on the day, it wasn't really up to scratch and what you'd expect from a kick any team. So they've regrouped. Uh, it was their first game in the, the Championship, uh, which was a good one. Same thing with Kildare. I mean, it's not an excuse for them either, but I suppose they're in a bit of transition, bringing up younger girls as well. There's a lot of the players that has been there have moved on, and Joe Quaid is there now as well, and a good manager, as you know, originally being from Limerick yourself, uh, how good Joe can be, but he has a, a struggle on his hand, I think, in Kildare, even looking at him at the weekend. And they could be fighting relegation if they're not too, uh, not too careful when it comes to the group, but from any point of view, again, Good regroup, good performance, and to put up 122 in a game as well, phenomenal. 
Absolutely. And it's it's sort of echoing the, the sentiment of the senior side. It's almost like that rootless side is coming into it. It's 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 what Kilkenny have been noted for in the in the men's game for so, so long. I suppose when you're looking now when we go back to the senior side, you're talking about Galway or the side with the target on their backs this year, having gone a step further than twenty twenty, getting one over the line yep. against Cork. A side that Kilkenny are more than familiar with after the victory in twenty twenty. How do you feel they're set for the championship? A two twelve to one six victory against Offaly the last day? Yeah, well, I suppose ourselves in Galway have had a real battle on our hands. I mean, they pipped us to the 2019 All-Ireland Final. Uh, we won the league final then. Then we bet them in the, the championship. Um, we didn't get to play them, obviously, last year because Cork beat us in the semi-final. So the rivalry between ourselves and, and Galway is there or thereabouts with a couple of years. I suppose when they were looking at the fixture as well, they saw Limerick and Offaly as their first two games. And again, no disrespect to, to Limerick or to Offaly, but you'd be targeting two victories in that, albeit Limerick did put it up to off or to uh, Galway in the first game, getting to two points. It probably put a lot of pressure on them and maybe they exerted themselves a small little bit in the Galway game when they came to play us then as well. But Offaly, I, I, I don't know what to say about Offaly. I mean, Susan Erner is doing a great job up there from what we can see. There's not too many St. Rhinus players uh, on the team and they are double All-Iron champions, which is a bit strange. Um, that there's not a few more in this, but I suppose if you're uh, Paddy looking or Carl Carl Murray looking in at the the outside of it, um, again it's two victories from two, and he'll be a happy man as well. That's it. That's it. And Cork off the back of a win as well, beating Clare two seventeen to two o five. I mean, a side that are all too familiar with the taste of success and itching to get revenge after last year, they'll be there thereabouts as well. Come the end of the year. Ah, uh, sure. Look, everyone has the same thing to say. That is probably Limber Cork. Galway, Kilkenny are the top three teams at the minute. Yeah. Um, I mean, even on our own podcast there lately, you know, we would have said the Tipperary was probably knocking as the fourth team going around at the minute. But with their last couple of results, like it's hard to know what's going on with Tipperary. I mean, Clare Betham in the Munster final. Uh, they had a tough day then against Cork as well. I think it went to either a replay or to double extra time. Um, I know Clare ran him very, very close to us. Unlucky probably not to win a Munster Championship. But Clare was out five weeks in a row then as well between Munster Championship and then their All-Ireland Series as well. So it was probably just a step too far from all we get to do get you late goals as well to take a bad look off the, the scoreboards and make a good reflection on the game. But I don't know, something that's telling me Clare could be a dark horse. Always makes it interesting though, doesn't it? Moving to the actual fundamentals of it, as, a, as such a proud purveyor of the women's game that you are, are you currently satisfied with the amount of coverage that the game is receiving? No, <laughs> definitely not. Um, I mean, the, the 20 by 20 initiative that they brought out was to try and get 20% more coverage for female sports in the print media, through the local radio stations, you know, um, through even the national airways. I mean, you take last weekend Sunday game, Cork and Clare played they got a 90-second clip of a couple of scores that was in it. Uh, they put up the tables for each of it, and that was it. Like, I mean, that's not promoting the sport at all. I know RT have announced that they are doing nine camogie matches live this year and going forward as well. But surely to God, and I mean, it's not just... It's the same with the footballers as well. Um, you know, I mean, if you have a sport and you're involved in it, you want to see a bit of highlights in it in 90 seconds is an absolute joke and it's an insult to the girls that go out and train every week but it's the same in the Sean and the national media like I mean the Leinster final was on a couple of weeks ago where we played Dublin and apart from the Kilkenny and Dublin papers who had something in it there wasn't even a snippet on any of the national papers that it was going ahead that's it yeah that's you, it. you take the championship from last weekend there was one small little column 
um, in the independent that was going down it, and the same with the, the tabloids as well. And that's it. There's no spread. Like if that was a hurling game, there'd be four, five, six pages of galore interviews and reports and pictures and you name it, like the whole paper would be spread in it. Um, but the women just does not get the coverage that they're deserving at the minute and they put in the same effort they do, like, they do. The girls. 89% of an extremely large survey admitted that they wouldn't be able to pick out a senior and a county player on the street I mean that's surely Correct. indicative of, of a failure in itself isn't it yeah I mean Littlewood's done that survey and Littlewood's are the sponsors of the National League um, and they've done a survey around of all of the counties around the place and it was between 82 and 90 or 89% depending on the counties that you were in that couldn't identify uh, a camogie player within their own county never mind outside the county which is a startling statistic alone but the coverage is not there I mean they're seeing the hurlers on the television week in week out they get the opportunity to go maybe and meet them at training sessions or after games but the women just do not get that. I mean, you could be thrown into a bog standard pitch because the county grounds mightn't be available. You probably heard the same as I have recently with Louise O'Mara-Hertig with the Kerry footballers, that they can't get into the centre of excellence in Kerry to do a training session. Mm-hmm. I know John Lillis was telling me he finds it very hard to get into Tempest Stadium even for a match as well down there. So, I mean, the promotion for the women's sport is not there. Now, it has improved in the last five to six years compared to where it was but I mean when you look at it and the effort that those girls are putting in as well in every county the exposure between the media and everywhere else like is, is just not uh, it's not acceptable in this day and age to be fair No it's not acceptable and I agree entirely with you and it's, it's, it's as you said lack of access to facilities just as well as the lack of attention in media that's actually supplied for sports people that are giving an entirely large amount. I mean, you rewind 12 months and the game was very much like a soap opera. Now, I suppose that got eradicated when the poll majority overturned the proposed calendar for the season and you had the likes of Amy O'Connor coming out being very vocal about the team's intention not to play. Now, we fast forward 12 months in your experience and in your opinion, have we seen any credible change in 12 months? Hard to pinpoint it exactly. Like, there has been changes in it, yes. I mean, the announcements between Leinster Council and Munster Council to get double headers involved with hurling games is fantastic. But that poses its own problems as well. Like, we get the fixture sent out from the National Camogie Office, and I see that there's a, a double header in Stempel Stadium this weekend. Uh, there's a hot camogie game on, and I think actually Waterford could be involved in that with uh, Tipperary before the Munster final. And there's no tickets available for that game because the Munster final is sold out. You know, so if you're a fan going to a camogie match and maybe you don't realise that the game is going ahead late, where do you get a ticket for it? Like, you're not going to see it. The people that go to the hurl are not going to go early to go in and watch the camogie match. You know, so why it's great to say, yes, there is double headers going ahead with the men's game and the whole lot, even logistics-wise with it. I mean, the girls themselves get very few car parking passes to go to games to get in. You have to travel nearly by bus before you're allowed into the grounds because you can't get in because the GAA have the tickets, rights and everything else to go with it. So, yeah, while things have improved, we're still a long, long way off, Sean, compared to uh, where we should be by right. Well, that's it. And I suppose, look, in recent months, obviously, we've had the, the majority for Motion 33 with the merger of the three association. I mean, the motion is proposed and it's something that's like baby steps, but... I suppose we can only hope in moving forward that something credible and, and real is going to come to fruition from this. Hopefully, we see uh, an emergence and recognition for the women's game. I mean, I'm currently county PRO with Kilkenny. I've been in as chairman for 
five years as well. I was there when the merger began to be even touted it might be a possibility back to Liam O'Neill's time when he was there as the uh, the president of the GAA and all. But I mean, realistically, is a merger going to solve anything? I mean, you're still going to have the same amount of teams competing over games. You're still going to have the same facilities as there. Is access going to be granted? I mean, if you can't get into it now, is a merger with the three associations going to change it? I don't know, is the simple answer. There's a lot of talk going on in the last five to six years over the merger. And the text from the Camogie is basically that they have given permission for the three associations to go and talk again about moving the merger forward. But I mean, we're talking about the last six, seven years about this and will it happen? I don't know. Hilda Breslin, the Camogie president, wants to push it on and she seems to be doing a small little bit with it. But we're still going to have the same problems. I mean, I know Amy has given out about the, the fixture congestion last weekend as well. But the problem with the dual player is you have the same, the Camogie, the footballer, and everyone trying to fit in the same amount of games in a short window because it all has to be finished by July to let the club players in. Yeah, so absolutely. I don't know whether the merger is going to solve anything. I would love to see it solving anything, but I don't know. We'll touch base again in a couple of weeks and we'll see how progress is going and hopefully we can see some sort of real movement in terms of where it matters with logistics and facilities and recognition for the women's game. Sports Beat with John Kennedy Motors, Cashel Road, Clonmel. You'll never take a wrong turn with Toyota. View our full range of cars at johnkennedymotors.ie. That's it for this week's show. If you've got something you want to talk about or if you want to speak about your club or association, contact me at sport at beat102103.com and I will get back to you. Dean's up next with Beat Anthems.